is an Odyssey original. This is a special July 4th holiday edition of KNX In-Depth. Is democracy in danger? I'm Rob Archer. And I'm Charles Feldman. America celebrating its 247th birthday. But how many more does it have left at the rate we're all going? We are going to take a look at the growing political divide in this country and whether this is going to rip us apart or if we can solve our disagreements or perhaps just learn how to live together and compete in the marketplace of ideas without it turning into open warfare. We'll start and we'll be joined by, for the whole hour, UC Irvine political science and law professor Tony Smith, uh, who is here with us in the studio. He's the editor-in-chief of Political Research Quarterly, Also with us is Mindy Romero, founder and director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at the USC uh, Saul Price School of Public Policy. Both of you, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thanks so much for having us, guys. Good to be here. So let's uh, start with with, uh, setting the stage, if we can. Uh, There are an awful lot of, of people, and I've been reading as many as I can in the past few weeks, who are very down on America's future as we uh, are in this July 4th, what's supposed to be celebratory period. And they cite different reasons. Some say they're concerned that Donald Trump will be president again. Some say they're concerned because of efforts, continuing efforts to uh, limit uh, elections, uh, voting rights in different states. Others say it's because of a, a growing and troubling trend to ban books. I mean, you name it, there's, a, there's just a, a host of, of issues that people are citing as reasons why they are not optimistic, uh, maybe not even pessimistic, but just concerned is probably the best word. So let's, with that as our foundation, go on from there. And, and, and Tony, since you're with us in the studio, let's start with, with you and then we'll go to uh, Mindy. Where do you fall on this spectrum of uh, pessimism, optimism, concern, maybe smack in the middle? Sure. How about um, short-term pessimism and long-term optimism? Ooh. The parties used to disagree about very large issues. Should women be allowed to vote? Should we have slavery? Should the world be or should should the world have the United States as a leader in thought and deed or not? Now we argue over things like is To Kill a Mockingbird a bad book and should we take it out of libraries? Uh, I might point out very few people actually read it in high school when they're supposed to. Most people read it later. But uh, um, short term, we have sort of two churches, if the two different parties are two churches, and one of them is trying to find converts and the other is trying to run out heretics. And if you're running out heretics, you're just going to end up with a smaller and smaller church or party. So eventually a lot of the really unpleasant noise we see right now is going to go away because you have people trying to capture a larger part of the Republican primary audience, but it's actually a smaller part of the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, L.A. County has more people than 40 states. So we might seem geographically divided because we, we think of electoral college votes being kind of close and all this, but we're not really nearly as divided as as it appears if you get caught up in the minutiae of what um, political news are arguing about. 
Uh, Mindy, I want to bring you into the conversation. Uh, Tony just made an interesting comment about uh, about heretics, and I've always thought to myself that the the whole thing about and it's it works in religion and in politics. The circle of orthodoxy is always shrinking. It's never getting wider, and the search for heretics is always ongoing. Uh, as soon as a, a movement gains full control, they begin to search out the heretics within. Uh, this always seems to happen in, in human society, but I'm noticing some some disturbing parallels for me. Maybe you can talk me down off the ledge of I see uh, vulnerable populations being almost litigated out of existence. Uh, I just saw a, a news report in Tennessee where uh, the Republican supermajority there demanded the private medical records of transgender patients from a clinic. For what reason, we don't really know. Uh, do you see the same parallels that I do? Uh, what's happening to us is what happened earlier in the 20th century in Germany. Well, I'll say that I, I certainly agree with your level of concern. Um, you know, we have to look at this in two ways. So individual Americans, how polarized are they? And the parties themselves, right? And the platforms of the parties and those that are elected. And I think on the whole, Americans themselves, although very there are very important differences, right? Um, more, you know, most Americans, if you poll them, they're really more centrist, right? They're deeply concerned about our state of democracy, absolutely, because particularly the last few years. Um, but Americans themselves, they don't trust, right? We're, we're in camps and and uh, Democrats don't trust Republicans and Republicans don't trust, trust Democrats. But I think actually on issues, we're not as far as apart as all the political rhetoric says. And what we actually are facing is, or what we are dealing with is parties have evolved. Uh, we've had a lot of division in our history. I absolutely agree with Tony on that. Um, but, you know, really starting in the 1950s, we didn't actually see a lot of differences uh, across parties. And political scientists even, you know, uh, strongly encouraged parties to to uh, to distance themselves, to, you know, to make sure that their platforms were different. Um, so people had choices. And then through the 60s and the 70s, in the 80s, we did see a lot of cultural, right, political change and, uh, and tumult and so forth. And into the 90s and the and really 2000s, before even our current period, we started to see parties really pull apart, again, this modern era, to have more distinct platforms, and critically so, to really ramp up the rhetoric, right? And so their platforms became more diverse, and their communications became more diverse, um, and now today, through all of that, plus, you know, geographic sorting and things like gerrymandering, we do have elected officials that we just look at Congress, right, um, House and Senate. Um, we have uh, Republicans, Democrats, more on the extremes of their parties, right, than we've seen, at least in the modern era prior. And um, this means that we have parties that are functioning in one way that are very different from Americans in many respects, but they are fueling right through misinformation, to be really honest, most of the misinformation right that we get or disinformation is actually coming from candidates and parties themselves and others. But the candidates and parties, those those in leadership are doing it, too. And so that is spread. And I know we could talk more about this in depth, but um, that creates right uh, or else fuels um all this kind of distrust uh, and in disillusionment right. and all of that that has to your point lastly here very real consequences for communities because parties that maybe wouldn't be attacking so much you know historically we've had a lot of of course um uh, voter suppression and 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 um and uh disadvantage and and you know overall uh, social uh, oppression and and today we're seeing some of that again in different sorts of ways. But really, it's about 
party power and money in politics and what they think sells. And I think over time that will evolve and change. But in the meantime, I'm really pessimistic or at least deeply concerned because of the damage that it's doing to our democratic institutions. And of course, the real damage, most importantly, that it's doing to people in communities, real outcomes in their lives. All right. Okay, so uh, concern is, I guess, the, yeah. the, the word of the day. Overriding word that we're going to hear probably this whole hour. We're joined by UC Irvine political science and law professor Tony Smith, also Mindy Romero, director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC. And we are going to bring in another guest in a second. But, but Tony, let me very briefly go back to something. At the very beginning of the show, you said, I believe, get, you know, tell me if I got it wrong, yeah. that you were in the short term pessimistic, but in the long term optimistic. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Right? I'm just curious what your time, what's your definition of short term and what is your definition of long term? Sure. Let me, I'll give you a real quick example. Um, voter suppression efforts Absolutely nothing new. This has been going on since votes happened. Um, Short term, they can have an impact. Uh, Ron DeSantis barely won his election against a very flawed candidate the first time around. But then he went to work creating all sorts of voter suppression mechanisms, including throwing people off the voter rolls um, based on their zip codes, based on guessing their race, this sort of thing. And he got reelected with a really big margin because he had implemented all these voter suppression efforts. Now, if we can compare that to Georgia, where they also implemented a bunch of voter suppression efforts, but they did it well before the election. And so Stacey Abrams um, has a group, her sister actually runs the, the group, that helps people overcome the barriers that are put up for voter suppression. If we know what the rules are, eventually we can figure out how to get to vote anyway. So in Georgia, we've got two Democratic senators with a a population split among Republicans and uh, Democrats that's about the same as it is in Florida. And in Florida, you had a blowout because the voter suppression was so close to the election, you couldn't work around it. So short term, bad acts can really make a big difference. Long term, the population figures out how to get around them and how to and you can actually inflame the people you're trying to suppress and get them activated. Does okay. that make sense? It does. Uh, let, let's bring in from New York now uh, Victoria Bassetti, who's a senior advisor for States United Democracy Center and is author of Electoral Dysfunction, a Survival Manual for American Voters. Victoria, thanks for being with us. Great being here. Uh, have we gotten to the point where nobody accepts elections as being valid anymore? Well, we certainly do have a very substantial portion of the population who feel that way, um, and they've got a, a, a pretty big uh, kind of semi-industrial complex that's devoted to feeding them the news that the elections shouldn't be trusted. But that being said, there's still a greater portion of the American public that trusts the way our elections are administered and trust the results, largely because elections are administered on a local level. They know the people, oftentimes their friends and neighbors who are administering the elections. And most elections are administered in a very strictly bipartisan manner where there are always people who are watching to make sure that the count is right. But like I said, it's really frightening that there is a pretty large group of people who don't feel that way. And there is a large group of people who are feeding them that news and who are using trying to use that to their advantage. Uh, Victoria, is is this a trend 
uh, people basically giving up on the idea of democracy and saying, look, uh, I don't like what the majority of the people in this country want to choose. They're wrong. We're going to stop them. Even if we're in the minority, we're right. Uh, so let's do away with democracy. Yeah, I, I, it, it's definitely something that's kind of been rising over the course of the last few years. All you need to do is look at those you know, incidents that happened in a few state legislatures this year where they were kicking out people who were saying things that they didn't like, um, where obviously January 6th is a pretty big example of people being so upset with how the majority voted that they attempted to kind of overthrow what happened. It's definitely um, a pretty kind of sizable portion of the American public who feel that way equally frightening. There is a, I don't want to say it's a majority, but there's like a pretty significant group of people, anywhere from 14 to 20% of the people who are willing to um, espouse or endorse violence if they don't get what they want in the elections. Um, the good news, again, we're kind of awake to the problem. We've got a large number of people who are working very hard to tamp down this effort and to hold the people who are pushing these anti-democratic trends, these violent kind of actions, to help hold them accountable, get them disbarred, get them indicted, dealt with. That's the, you know, kind of the, the answer is to slowly but surely kind of pull ourselves back from this. Okay, we're doing a special, by the way, uh, if you just uh, joined us, uh, July 4th holiday edition of In-Depth. We're talking about the the state of American democracy. Uh, we're joined in this portion of the program by, we were just listening to uh, Victoria Bassetti. We has, uh, have with us in the studio, Tony Smith. Also with us is Mindy Romero. Mindy, um, where do you think this country stands in terms of uh, its belief that elections count and elections are valid and, uh, you know, accusations of fraud are really very, 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 very scarce. The accusations aren't, but the reality is. The reality. Well, I think it does depend on the type of election you're talking about. So we have, you know, numerous polls over the last couple of years that have shown that, um, you know, if you're a Republican, majority of Republicans believe the 2020 uh, election was stolen or there was fraud, um, majority of Democrats don't. Um, but we do have a lot of research that shows that, again, as, as Victoria noted, if you're talking about just trusting your elections office or that your elections were conducted fairly and accurately, people tend to trust their local election officials more uh, than the state or, or a national conversation. Um, I think, though, that all of that can be easily fueled again. Um, and, you know, we didn't see some of the fears come to light in the 2020 general, sorry, 2022 general election that we just went through. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, in the, in the dem uh, democracy space felt like we kind of dodged a bullet, um, for lack of a better way of saying it. And 2024 is around the corner and there are deep concerns. People are kind of um, preparing, you know, uh, legally, uh, sometimes physically in terms of safety, um, communications wise, you know, on all, all kinds of different fronts, um, because again, um, that gets, you know, depending on who's fueling those, those, um, those accusations. And right now it's leadership, right? Um, the conversations are at a high level in our country. And I think we're very susceptible to, um, 
you know, to, to feeling that and having additional mistrust that comes from it. And, you know, well, it's going to be a long ride through the 2024 general election. And we're looking into the current political troubles dividing this country, joined by Mindy Romero, director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC, Tony Smith, UC Irvine political science and law professor, and Victoria Bassetti, senior advisor for States United Democracy Center and author of Electoral Dysfunction, a survival manual for American voters. And it appears as if we all need that kind of a manual, frankly. <laughs> That'd be uh, nice. <laughs> uh, Tony, you were signaling during the break that you wanted to join in on something. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So the, the um, election denial industry it seems to be very closely tied to Donald Trump. So in other words, other politicians that have tried this get laughed at even by their voters. Carrie Lake is going around telling people she's actually the governor of Arizona and no one in Arizona is taking it seriously. She's she If she jumps in the Senate race, she's likely to be the Republican nominee. But there is... It, there is a ownership of this, the big lie that Trump won the election, that really belongs to him. And I, I'm not persuaded that his voters who say they think the election actually believe that. Much like that 14 to 20 percent that say that they believe in political violence. But yeah, but does it matter if they believe it or it, not? It, 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 it may if, not. They're willing to say it, but right. it's as a partisan signal okay. that they're really committed to him. So once we're past the sort of pseudo-fascist populism phase of the Republican Party and the people like Lynn Cheney and Mitt Romney and others, uh, Chris Christie, take their party back. If they do, we this may fade as a way we talk about things. This is might have be more like the Red Scare with McCarthy than, uh, you know, the, the Civil War. Well, that sounds hopeful, and, uh, and, and and thank you for that. Kind of a kind of a dark hope, but a hope nonetheless. Uh, we also have uh, still with us uh, Mindy Romero and uh, Victoria Bassetti, and I wanted to ask uh, uh, you, Victoria. Uh, you know, like the song says, "I believe the children are our future," and we are seeing what what certainly appears to some like a concerted effort to uh, cause trouble at school board meetings and and kind of take control there and then remove books from shelves and, and stop children from from learning about their history. We'll leave off the gender issues for now, but just about history in general, uh, about uh, the history of racism in this country. Uh, what do you make of that? Is is this a concerted effort in this ongoing process of like, we're going to remake democracy so that it doesn't really look like democracy anymore? Yeah, it, it actually is. And, and you see it happening in, throughout the country in places that you you don't necessarily expect we we obviously know of it happening in places like Florida and Texas but it's also been happening in in Pennsylvania and in other kind of unexpected states where there's been a really intense focus on elections to school boards at a local level that's having pretty dramatic effects with in the way that curricula are being developed and taught but again you know the, the 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 amazing thing is that the spotlight is on this right now and in many cases these sort of efforts begin to wither once the sunshine is is put on them um they have you know short term um victories but uh, you know like to continue that sense of optimism on the 4th of July it doesn't look like, or we can hope that it's not going to be a really durable aspect of 
uh, education for uh, you know an extended decade or multi-decade long period. Um, and I would add just another thing that's happening is also there is a pretty concerted effort to keep um, college students, 18 year olds from being able to vote. That's, you know, you, you start with them when they're like, you know, six years old. And then once they turn 18, try to suppress them from being able to vote. Right. Um, so that's definitely something going on right now. Mindy, let me, Mindy, remember, let me ask you, uh, as we're here speaking today, uh, all the polls are indicating that despite his legal troubles, uh, Donald Trump is the, at the moment, the best bet to lead the Republican Party uh, as the candidate for president for the 2024 elections. If he were to win and become president of the United States again, which is not implausible, uh, and we were sitting here the day after that election, what would your assessment then be of America's future? That is a very good question. Uh, I honestly, I would be more concerned. Um, and it's because, and you know, not necessarily all of his policy um, positions, but it's about what we're talking about today, right? The fact that he has been not the only one, but obviously the, the chief lead um, in in election denialism, right? Uh, and um, just really all of the rhetoric in terms of um, really challenging our democratic norms. Um, and you know, perpetuating um, racism and, and other sorts of um, behaviors. So, and, and I'm obviously cutting that short because of time. Um, so, what I think we would want to ask ourselves: What does it mean about America, right? Um, and I say that for Republicans, you know, that we know many um, uh, lots of polls that say that many Republicans weren't really thrilled with Trump back in 2016 or 2020, and they voted for him because they saw him as the better of two not great candidates. So just because somebody wins doesn't mean that all those that vote for them are fully behind them. Mm. But still, uh, it is concerning, right? Um, because then that means we're going to have at least four more years or four more years of that kind of rhetoric that can just really, we can only assume will further damage um, the state of our democracy since, since that's what we're talking about today, but much more, right? There are right. lots of policy conversations that can come from that too. So, right. you know, the question is, what does that say about America. But it also says, what does it say about our larger kind of structure of, of our democracy, right? Our democratic institutions, our electoral structure. Um, if people feel like they have not very good choices, it's the lesser of two evils or the, the best out of not so great. Um, you know, we kind of created a pathway in many, many ways, but just in terms of how our electoral system was structured to produce a Donald Trump, where many people voted for him, even when they weren't Happy. Many people loved him and still do, of course, but many people voted for him and just for Biden as well. Right. Or for Clinton when they weren't happy with that choice. OK, we're going to leave right. that thought so there. We're going to run out of time. So we're yeah, going to leave yeah. that thought there and we'll get back to it, I think, maybe a little bit later. Yeah, it's our special uh, July 4th edition of the KNX in depth is democracy in danger. You're listening to a special July 4th holiday edition of KNX in depth is democracy in danger, along with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman. We are joined by Mindy Romero, director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC. Also, Tony Smith, political science and law professor at uh, UC Irvine. We're now going to uh, bring in Republican strategist Matt Makoviak, who is uh, president of Potomac Strategy Group. He's in Texas and hopefully will offer us the perspective from the conservative side of things in a very red state. Matt, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. How are you doing? All right. So when we began this uh, program today, uh, we asked our, our, our guests who are still with us, of course, for the rest of the half hour, 
their view, their take on where American democracy stands at the moment mm-hmm. uh, with a large spectrum from the very pessimistic to the optimistic. And I think we all settled, guys, on sort of concern. I think that was the, the word that everyone sort of agreed on, concern. Where do you put the state of American democracy and why? Well, I think one of the real uh, unfortunate things about the last, let's call it five years, is that that question now, I think, is is sort of viewed through a partisan lens. Um, and it's I think it's being used at times by both sides, uh, you know, for partisan purposes. Look, I, I absolutely recognize that the Trump presidency uh, put pressure on our institutions in ways we hadn't seen before. Uh, a lot of that was because of decisions he made, the way he did things. I think some of that was also, I think the left went went overboard in, in really fighting him from the first minute after the election. But uh, my, my, my takeaway is just how resilient our institutions have been. Um, you know, in spite of, you know, not just a legal challenge, but uh, kind of an extra legal challenge to the election, things held up. Our courts reviewed, uh, you know, evidence that was presented, ultimately decided that the election was, was held uh, appropriately. Um, we had a, we had a change of power um, and we had a new president come in. So now that said, I do think some of our institutions are in need of reform. And I, I mean, your other guests may not agree with me on this, but but uh, there are, I think, legitimate questions about how the FBI has been led in recent years. I definitely, uh, you know, have I think there are legitimate questions about DOJ, particularly related to uh, to favoritism in terms of prosecutions. Um, so I guess my point is, I think there are people on the right who have concern about uh, you know, the state of the democracy. And I think there are people on the left that have concern about the state of our democracy. And the sad part is I think they both have uh, some some legitimacy to their to their claims. Um, what we need is we have to, to have the, the, the center hold. Uh, and um, we need to be able to have, you know, shared facts uh, that we can all agree on. Um, and we need to uh, uphold the Constitution. And as long as I think we do those things, uh, America will be held in good stead. Uh, Tony is in the studio with us. Tony, I want to ask you, you know, we talk about shared facts. How can we get to a place where the country is so divided and social media plays a big part of this? I think everybody knows that uh, where it seems like people can't even agree on reality anymore. How do we get back to at least on the top level, people agreeing to the basics? If Ooh. if they still disagree on the stuff down here, that's fine. But up here, we had to have some kind of agreement that right. our institutions are supporting democracy and that's the way well, – we're going to be. So let me push back just a little bit on the way you frame that. Um, if you if you think about who watched um, or who watches Sean Hannity's show, it's something like three million people a night. Um, who watches Golden Girls reruns? It's something like nine million a day. So the folks that are adamant that we don't have shared facts, they're not Kevin McCarthy. He knows Joe Biden legitimately won. They're not Mitt Romney. They're not Lynn Cheney. They're not Chris Christie. They're not anybody who's being honest. So the political elites are actually not as steaming at the at the top of their heads as the some aspects of the media present. And the rank and file people are also not, you know, frothing at the mouth about politics. They're worried about how do I get to my kid to soccer practice? Are we going to make both car payments this month? Am I going to get a raise? Is my career going where it wants? Do we need a bigger house? Do we need a smaller house? That's what most Americans are thinking about. 
And and for them, it's not really the contestation over the parties. It's it's the contestation over their daily lives that lets them think about, you know, what does it mean to be American? What does it mean to be free, have freedom, that kind of thing? So I think as long as you've got this narrow cast of what you might think of as outrage politics, this isn't this isn't shared facts. This is a addiction to serotonin. It's an addiction to adrenaline. Mm. Somebody wants to watch TV for eight hours a day and be outraged. Right. Well, uh, that's you know that's not really what politics is about. That's not what the voting is going to be about. And you will see again, like with the midterms, it's going to be pretty normal. <laughs> Despite the overheated rhetoric, the pitchforks and torches are probably gone now. The people have gone to prison for that. Oh, one so. hopes, yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to thank our uh, guests uh, going to stay with us in the studio. Uh, Tony Smith uh, speaking there. Uh, Minnie Romero is on with us. Also, uh, Republican strategist Matt McCoviak uh, from Texas, uh, president of the Potomac Strategy Group. And I think, Charles, our next segment, we should maybe focus on something a little bit different. Different. And maybe ways we can fix this. And we're back with our guest, uh, Tony Smith, political science and law professor at UC Irvine, Mindy Romero, director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC, and uh, Matt McCoviak, Republican strategist in Texas. All right, so uh, I promise that we're going to fix all of this country's problems in this segment of today's special KNX In-Depth. So I'm going to start with you, Mindy, and I'm going to make it difficult. I'm going to give you an obstacle to overcome. How do we solve our problems with our democracy and move that uh, apocalyptic clock back a few minutes in this country? And can you do it in two lines or less? First off, I wouldn't say that we necessarily want to go totally back, right? Because if we think about July 4th and we're celebrating our country and who we are, we have to recognize in any solution that democracy hasn't been fully there for a whole swath of our country, right? So we don't want to go back to the 1950s when the parties were very similar. Uh, difference is real. Platform matters. Policy matters. Real outcomes in communities, right, are the product of that. So I, I think if you want me two lines or less, that's more than two. I'll stop there. But just recogni- <laughs> recognizing as we go forward um, we we want to go forward. We don't want to go back. We just don't want the rhetoric, the fueling, the the you know the for power gain that ends up suppressing and hurting more and more and more Americans. We want positive forward that is inclusive and really gets us to more closely to the promise of our democracy. And and Matt, what about you? Uh, how do we fix our problems today? Do we lose Matt? Yeah, I mean oh. it's it's. I'm here. It's a big question. Um, it's hard to answer in a sentence or two. I, I think we have to think about these institutions that are that are so important, whether it be the Justice Department, whether it be the FBI, whether it be institutions like NATO, um, and try as much as we can to keep them free of politics. Uh, I don't know if we need to look at, at retired judges, but we need to be looking at truly nonpartisan professionals in senior roles that are above reproach. Um, that can build confidence w- within party leaders at both on both sides. They may not agree on every, with every decision, but they can at least trust what they're doing and that their intentions are pure and that they'll follow the Constitution. So that's the best answer I can come up with and that, that's uh, fairly, fairly short and succinct. All right, Tony? Yeah, I, I guess I'm more optimistic than everybody else. I think let the process play out. Political charlatans always end up being revealed. Um, at the end of the day, people who run their whole campaigns based on lies or run their whole campaign based on attacking, whether it's law enforcement or the military or NATO or whatever, eventually they all get revealed as being, you know, empty shells and they lose. 
And so it's just a question of, uh, as Chris Christie might say, how much longer do you want to lose? Um, and eventually, the people who are frauds can't keep the party together. Uh, it gets back to that earlier thing. You're chasing down heretics. You're going to have a smaller and smaller circle of power. You're finding recruits and con- and converts. It's going to get larger and larger. So so here's the, the question that will have to be left to another show. Do Americans really like political charlatans? Ah, Oh, that's a good Sometimes. one. Sometimes. <laughs> for, short, for short periods of time. They can <laughs> put on a good show in the meantime, but what does that show mean in the long run? Tony, let me ask you uh, very quickly, uh, would it help? We were talking about children, right, uh, teaching kids in school. Uh, we want to, you know, certain groups of people want to control what they have access to. But what if we could go back and leave the partisanship out of it and just teach kids civics, and maybe a dose of empathy. How would we do that without getting one side or the other very upset about teaching that? And would it help? You know, a long time ago, people were talking about adding uh, school back into prayer. And Tom Harkin, a senator from Iowa, said, uh, moment of, they were talking about putting this moment of silence in. And he says, a moment of silence? Hell, I'd be happy with a moment of science. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think bring back uh, schoolhouse rock and mostly the kids are all right. They vote at pretty high rates. They understand things better than we think we do. And um, anybody that thinks schools are indoctrinating people culturally has never taught a class because, hell, they don't read the syllabus. <laughs> all right. All right. Can, I, can I add something there? Yeah, sure, very, quickly, very quickly. Okay. So I will say, yes, our, our children, our youth are amazing, but they do not actually vote in really high rates and much lower rates than older Americans. And it's pretty consistent. It's not because they're apathetic. There's lots of forces that suppress their vote. And one of them is that we aren't giving them an, any sort of real um, civics education. So civics education is very critical, especially as kind of a, as much as it can be a leveling point across demographics within these population income and so forth. Really important. And then just lastly, um, on, our, on being more positive here, everything Tony said, I agree earlier in, uh, in terms of I'm optimistic somewhat for the long haul, but we can't just wait for it. We have to fight for it. And every point in our history where we've made progress, yes, we come around sometimes and we do move forward, but it isn't done just by waiting around. We have to all fight for it, cherish it, work for it in an inclusive uh, manner. And I just want to make that point. We can't wait All for right. it. We have to make it happen. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, that's uh, Mindy Romero, director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy, our in-studio guest with us today, Tony Smith, political science law professor at UC Irvine. Also, Matt uh, Makoviak, a Republican strategist in Texas. That's going to do it for KNX. In I think we solved everything. I think we fixed I did, I think everything. we did. The country is back and we are stronger than ever. That's going to do it for KNX in depth. We'll be back Wednesday. 